Uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do? That's the great question. <laughs> what is the long-term effect of too much information? Okay, I can't believe we had to restart the uh, uh, podcast episode because of your whatever that was. Yeah, something got really. <laughs> hey, uh, we don't even have. We can um, shout out our social media. That actually just made me um, remember that. Uh, everything is at Wine Jar Cynics as far as. Yeah, so Wine Jar Cynics at. Any, any social media yeah, platform. Except Facebook. It's <laughs> except for Facebook. It's Twitter. Instagram, um, we got a YouTube. YouTube. Probably not going to upload that much to YouTube yet or BitChute. We're going to do mostly audio for now, but we're planning on doing video f eventually. And, yep. Instagram might have a bunch of paintings if people are interested in that. And then Twitter, um, I'm guessing we can put some interesting quotes. Maybe we can even put our ep epigraphs there. Keep them there. Mm -hmm. Maybe some people will like that. Share some interesting stories. Also, Storyfire too, but I don't know too much about Storyfire. But um, anyway, let's just start with yeah. The, we, we have an account. Yeah, we do. I I haven't really tried it yet, but you have to have a certain. I think we also have a locals account. Uh, we have Minds too, Minds and Parlor. Parlor. <laughs> we have a bunch. We but got a bunch that aren't really super active, but we're gonna try and hit as many or like kind of strategically some alt tech platforms but i really think that what the best platform should be youtube because we can interact with our people our people more and we can comment and and talk to them and see if they want to want us to it's uh, elaborate I mean, on certain things I mean, you can do that on most of those but it is the most convenient yeah it's the most convenient because you can't really comment on a on, on spotify podcast right you can't just Oh, for Spotify and those, no, you can only just leave reviews. That's what sucks. I wish you can actually comment so we can talk to talk to people. Talk to, you know, bring up certain stuff maybe they wanted to hear. But anyway, let's start uh, episode five, uh, Philosophy of the Dog. The teachings of Socrates and Diogenes. You know, it's funny, I kind of want to explain the, the, the title now because I was thinking, when I was um, writing this episode, I felt that people... Talk about Diogenes, like the caricature of Diogenes, and then we kind of explained that in the last episode. Last episode, we talked about the kind of the fact versus the the fact versus the myth of Diogenes, who he is, rather than who we wanted to be, who he could have been. You know, it's a mix, right? Because it's so old, two thousand over two thousand years ago, and there's so many sources that are mostly secondary at best or intermediary, right? So that's why it's so hard to get a good estimate of who he really was and what even his teachings were if he i mean we know about it mostly through crates and other cynics but that's something i want to talk about now i guess that's why we're this is kind of a part two in a sense actually this is diogenes uh why they're called dogs pretty much essentially the philosophy of dogs and how it makes sense to call them dogs because they're it's not necessarily a bad thing to be a dog there's a lot of good attributes to a dog, and let's just get into it. Sound like a uh, what? What is this face? Philip DeFranco. Let's just jump into. It. Remember he does that. 
Let's just jump into it. Let's start with the epigraph. Um, you are what you do, not what you say you'll do. By Carl Gustav Jung. And that we'll just leave it at that. We, that'd be funny if we just did a quote review. Spit <laughs> so niche. It's like, yeah, we only do quotes. We review them and we talk about them. That's it. That'd be hilarious. Um, so why are cynics called dogs? So pretty much, let's be real. I, I want to simplify. It's essentially Aristotle called Diogenes the dog, right? As an insult. Because, you know, he masturbated in public. He had he did all these crazy things. He used to pee and poop and, and be kind of a, a mean and aggressive person, honestly. And he, he went on diatribes and roasted people, trolled them, including, you know, some people like Alexander the Great. So most people, for, by the way, think it's because of Antisthenes. But, I mean, most of these episodes we kind of... Debunked that in a sense, not debunked it, but we gave evidence to the contrary, right? Antisthenes died way earlier by the time Diogenes arrived to Athens. That's one. Another one is Antisthenes and Diogenes, as similar as they were. I don't think Diogenes would approve of Antisthenes. He, I mean, he, if he did, he would have had a school himself. And Diogenes never had a school, and he never really cared about. He cared about reasoning and logic, but he never cared about um, having a formal education. Not, not, not a formal education. What I mean to say is that he didn't want to go into, get into the academic circle like Antisthenes did by like tutoring and teaching and having a school. You know what I mean? That's not living by nature, living in accordance to nature in a sense. And also Antisthenes had a bed. <laughs> he had a bed and I think he had a house, so. Antisthenes was very much like Socrates. He's more similar to Socrates than Diogenes is similar to Antisthenes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so put it on a spectrum. Yeah, <laughs> there's a spectrum. Pretty much so- Socrates was on the left side of the spectrum. And then guess Diogenes is at the a far end of the spectrum. And then Antisthenes is kind of in the middle because Socrates was, um, but I mean, he, he was smelly, right? That's the weird, he was smelly and he didn't take a shower and he went, he used to go barefoot, right? A little strange, at least at those times for most Athenians. And Antisthenes, he was kind of in the middle. He was poor and he, he made a virtue of, poor, of poverty because he, remember he talked about the internal goods rather than the external goods whereas Diogenes I mean he went full he went full um, pretty much exhibitionist cynic or at least what he believed Socrates teachings were right he applied them in, in, in into an extremist way by not having a house not having any possessions or barely any and just having the bare minimum. Not even he didn't even put an emphasis on having too much schooling either. Just living in accordance with nature, which is living in accordance with what it is to be a human being in his opinion, which is being a logical person and reasoning. But obviously we know that he was jaded, right? And because of what happened, we talked about in episode four, right? That an injustice was occurred upon him 
given some of the evidence and that it, it makes sense in a sense and in a way because of the psychology of people who are who goes who go through something so extreme right they go through something like their father being in prison and dying in prison being exiled all these things given that evidence if that is the case because we're not gonna we're gonna kind of take it with a grain of salt but for the most part it seems that 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 is the case given the way he acts and how he has such a stark hatred for society right it, it would make sense that yeah something happened to him and that's why he, he is so extremist so that's the uh, again we're talking about antistenes too much this, this is not an antistenes episode it's about why they're called dogs but yeah um they're not called they're not dogs because of antistenes because you know and we said that the school that antistenes had if it really was antistenes if if he was the reason why they were called dogs then i think diogenes would have put more emphasis on the school he had right on antistenes school so i think we have those three points of evidence well actually a lot of evidence first of all i'm just going to go over it quick just because i think it's important because i think i'm not going to say this is an etymology podcast i guess it's more philosophy eventually when we want to do tech and stuff maybe satire or comedy but um yeah i mean the evidence seems pretty against it like we got first point of evidence is antisthenes and diogenes they're teaching i mean they're very similar in the way that, and the things they believe in and and the and socrates teachings but the interpretation is different right so Diogenes believes pretty much in radical freedom and minimalism and self-sufficiency. And then Tisthenes is kind of in the middle where he still has a house. He still uh, goes to school and teaches people. So he's kind of the mid, the in-between between Socrates on the left and then Diogenes on the right. He's kind of not so much extremist on either side, right? Um, second point is obviously the school. They don't put an emphasis on that school for a reason because probably the etymology is is not true. It's, they're not called dogs because Antisthenes was the, was the dog because of his little academy called the Sino Sargas, right? So there's that. Uh, third point is there is evidence pointing that the Stoics, they want to be linked up to Socrates, right? Because they want, I guess they want that status. They want that prestige that they're, the great grandmaster is Socrates, which I, in a sense, yeah, he still is the grandmaster. I, I would say so, right? Uh, not so directly, not because that's how they make it seem so in that book and uh, the successions, right? Where Socrates is on top, then it's uh, Antisthenes, then it's Diogenes, then Diogenes teaches Crates, uh, and then Crates teaches the first Stoic, right? So there's that point. Last point is. Um, I think that's actually about it. Yeah, those really those are kind of the main reasons why it's probably not Antisthenes. It has nothing to do with Antisthenes. It's really Diogenes, and he's um maybe they might have called him a dog. Who knows? Because I mean, here or there, I don't, I don't see. I, but I really think that in Aristotle called Diogenes a dog as an insult, and then that's how it started really and it makes more sense too because he does seem like a dirty dog compared to antisthenes 
right? He's masturbating in public. He's peeing and pooping in public. He's barking at people like as if he was a dog, right? Or barking metaphorically at people uh, at the wrong, the errors of their way of how they see the world of, you know? And then that's probably why they call him a dog. Whereas in Tistany's, it seems like he was a lot more tame. So calling him a dog wouldn't, I don't think, that's just my personal opinion, but I mean, like we cite the sources down below and then people can read Diogenes Laertius or, or these books by these other cynic scholars or class, uh, classical authors. But, um, yeah, and also sometimes a cynic, either it's hound-like or dog-like. But I, I think we'd have to talk to some, like, I don't know, pers- a Greek person who's an expert on, on ancient Greek etymology. Hound, dog, I don't know. Dog sounds a lot less, I guess. So, But as far as Antisthenes, is it, like, calling him a dog, talking about calling him a dog in person, or they're just referring to him as a dog later on? Or both? Are you wait? What's? Could you rephrase the question? You're asking like if the sources say that they call that he was called a dog, or if he? I mean, I mean, I'm fixed still around that time period, <laughs> like that general time mm-hmm. period, not like today, but people back then, at least within a, within a certain period, it was are they saying he was called a dog like during his time? No, funny or enough, referring they to don't, him as a dog like after. I, I think it was. I think it was after action, not really during. From because I think in um, when he was alive, and um, and that book uh, by Xenophon, which is also another student of of uh, Socrates. I don't think yeah. In his book, he, it never refers to him as a dog. I had to read. It, I had to read it again. I haven't read that. I didn't really get through it. So, but I think. What I'm trying to say is that the etymology, people assume it's because Antisthenes, because he taught at a school, right? And that school was called the Sinosargus, right? And the Sinosargus is called the white dog, right? So they think that he is the reason why they're called cynics, because the school he taught at. And I think he, he probably was called dog here and there. I mean, maybe because he was in the military, they call him a dog of the military, or maybe they call him a dog because he himself was a little bit of, uh, I guess, a kind of a, he used to bark at people as well. In, a, in, the, in the metaphorical sense, he would kind of talk to people about why they're wrong in certain parts. He was a logician, right? I, mean, I can only think, <laughs> it sounds to me like it could have been a sort of... Uh, in, or uh, I th- information or disinformation by the st- by camp- s- the Stoics like, maybe slandering campaign. I honestly, you, you want to connect someone to another person negatively by using that term for even even if they're it, like really quite different, you find a little bit of a similarity and like oh you're that. Yeah. If they did, it was probably for that reason, not because he was a because of his teachings. Because you know, this the thing. That's the thing. Oh, that's the last point. Is that the students of of Antisthenes, right? They're not called cynics. They're not called dogs. Whereas the Diogenes, his students are referred to as the dogs. And even like in Rome, like hundreds of years later, right? Or 
Yeah, I think it's hundreds of years later, or like maybe a thousand. Who knows? I have to look that up. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I look up. Maybe I'll probably cite it in the sources later after I upload this. But um, they call people who are in a, in a negative way when the when there's a bunch of it was one of the I think it was Lucy and the satirist who pretty much gave the bad name to the cynics. Right? He started that history of seeing the cynics in a negative light. He said, "Oh, it's another one of those who one of those who joined the army of the dog." Right, so we know that anybody who's linked with Diogenes, they they have they kind of inherit this title. But with Antisthenes, that's why I don't think Antisthenes is the the cynic, or they even called him that because they would have called his followers cynics, and they never did. They called they had a a, a term for the followers of Antisthenes, which was the Antisthenes. I think that's what it was. Definitely not dog. So it's more so probably just a coincidence. It's a coincidence, probably. Or, or it could have been, who knows? I don't think we should get into We don't want to make this like the coin argument again and, and go into this, but, <laughs> right? Because really... It's either a coincidence or they tried to tie it to him for some other reason. Again, it, if you're talking about people speaking to on it To tie him today, in with Diogenes. Speaking on it today versus like... More so during that time, I think it would be different reasons. Yeah, even if you go on on why cynics are called dogs, right? Or you Google it, or if you're on an introductory, on a a novice video for cynics, right? Usually, there's a sizable portion of people saying, "Yeah, it's because Antisthenes." And Antisthenes was he taught at that school. But yeah, like I said, there's no there's no uh, cultural or uh, philosophical significance to that to the cynics they would have talked about it they would have said oh we went to the great academy of Sinosargas." that's how you definitely know it's it's 90 percent and even the people who are modern scholars of cynicism yeah like goulet Kaze and uh, dr dudley or the other german philosophers they also say that too yeah most likely it's not true because and there's a lot of evidence actually that's yeah, to the contrary really. To me, it seems more. Yeah, and it sounds like wishful thinking. Coincidental, mm-hmm. or yeah, in some today more wishful thinking. You they want to make that uh, connection, kind of force it, or perhaps just back then during the times. Yeah, they're just trying to maybe disregard it in a way, so they try and make a connection. Like I'm hoping it's not too much fluff, but I. I, I I want to just kind of make that clear, but uh, let's get to the reason, four reasons why um, people think the why they may have thought that the cynics were were dog-like. But I, I mean, based on the teachings, you know, shamelessness, um, living minimally, it, it is dog-like, right? Because the dog is simple; they live on the ground. They obviously, a lot of them, they can't bathe them bathe themselves like cats or anything right so they are kind of a shameless dirty animal there are some negative aspects so as an insult yeah i could see why they would use I mean, that dogs were also domesticated though right um so yeah let's go on by the way this is what most people interpret that the reason why they were called dogs is because of the yeah and these kind of tenets of their philosophy like they're not actually yeah i mean no, they're actual teachings they're all 
these are probably the teachings that are the most prominent, but they're not necessarily the most um, important in cynic philosophy. But yeah, it's indifference. Were dogs common pets back then? In Gre- yeah, yeah, there were. There's a lot of mosaics back Was then. Was there a lot of like wild or stray dogs? Probably, yeah. I assume that that's why they would... Um, they're kind of wanderers too, just like it, cynics. It seems like like this dog in this case is being referred to more so as like stray dogs. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. Like you're you're a stray dog. You don't have a master. You don't have an owner. You don't have a job. You don't have a a, a house or a status. You know. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just. I, I, I get that. You're it, a wanderer. It works for stray dogs. Doesn't really work so much for. It depends dogs who you, as pets. Yeah. Or even, I mean, if you get to like wolves, where it doesn't work for them either. Yeah. No, definitely not. Wolves are actually, yeah, wolves are more, because it's like the dog is, well, I don't want to get into like, oh, the what, the perceptions of why dogs, those attributes are good or bad or why they should be called that way, but. I mean, it's interesting why they would. But I think, choose, no, no, but there, like there, is a, there is a reason, though, because I think in Homer's Odyssey, and I think um, a lot of these cynic, modern cynic scholars, or classical, they call them classical authors, right? Scholars, right? Greco-Roman st- um, scholars. They call, I think they, they assume that the reason why they call cynics dogs, dogs too, and wh- or why it's an insult is because of, of Homer's Odyssey. Because... The dog is kind of seen as something sort of negative. So there was a dog in Homer's Odyssey called Argos, but he he was a faithful dog. So it's like, yeah. So it's probably the the dog that has no master. It's stray. It's not. It's just a stray dog, right? It urinates. It defecates. It's it's stray. There's no use for it, right? It could be that reason, but they kind of link it up to. Or, or just to even, even then they sort of they, or, fi- they find packs. There's also another in, insult, by the way, and I don't know if it's if they were they had that in mind when they were calling cynics dogs for that reason. But I think it was in Odyssey, and I think it was in the Iliad or uh, Homer's Odyssey. Yeah, they called I think what god? It was Hera. They called her a shameless bitch. <laughs> yeah, I think it's for that reason because in this this book is very famous at the time, and people. Are, at least heard about it, and it's a. But anyway, and, and I guess at the time the Greeks thought that dogs were a good symbolism, a good metaphor for shamelessness. The dog doesn't really care where it goes, right? It goes pee or poop. Not like cats, right? Cats want to be. They want to usually do it in a place that has sand, and it can be clean. I mean, if you don't clean a cat's litter box they get isn't a lot of like at least peeing used to claim territory yeah yeah that's true <laughs> i don't want to that'd be funny if we end up just talking about cats and dogs the whole episode but uh no no but i really think it's because yeah it's shame the greeks thought it shameless because the dog that's depicted in not not argos argos was a faithful faithful dog in and the odyssey and homer's odyssey but in general it was just that was kind of the term you, you told somebody. Oh, you're shameless. You're like a dog. Right? I don't want to get into a semantics battle, but... I think they picked the wrong animal. I That's what I think, too. But that's why I think Diogenes, he kind of used as a token of, of a badge of honor. He's like, 
okay, yeah, sure, there are negative aspects of a dog. A dog can be shameless. A dog can be dirty, especially if they're stray, and they can be flea-ridden. But there's a lot of positive attributes to a dog, a lot of them. You know, they're loyal. They, they're friendly. Oh, Dodgers wasn't friend, that friendly from what I heard, but there's a lot of good attributes, and everybody knows that. So, But it's from what – I think these are the four reasons why the cynics are named dog. I think – it's because they're indifferent. And second reason is the dog is shameless. The third reason is that the dog, they do, gu- they're, they're good guards. Even if they're not a big dog, a small dog can still alert you to, to potential threats, right? And they guard their tenants of their philosophy. They're guard dogs. Oh, by the way, think, speaking of guard dogs, uh, you know the, um, there's this, by the way, uh, Russian secret police back then. I think it was during the first czar. They were called the Oprichinik. Oh, is that that later? I just wanted to bring it up anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I was going to bring that up later, but I just wanted to talk about them. Because, yeah, they had this cool symbol of the dogs. They had, like, a wolf head, and it was black. A black wolf, and they would carry it on their horse. And it was a severed head, by the way, too. So it's pretty crazy seeing that. It would probably scare the shit out of people back then, seeing these people on black horses and long black robes with swords. And they had this dog head, and they also on the, they had this little emblem where it was a dog head and it was a broom. So they could sniff out the traitors, the dog, and then they could, sh- they could um, sweep their body under the rug. I should show you the symbol, but it's in- interesting. Uh, I've seen it, actually. I think you showed it to me yeah, before. It's uh-huh. pretty cool. Yeah, so they sniff out the traitors to their cause, and then they yeah they dispose of them with and they sweep them away with the broom. Pretty badass. So yeah, I mean, naming the dog, yeah, and I think Diogenes was right in. I'm, I mean, I pr- already said this, but naming the cynics dog because I think yeah dogs are pretty badass. But anyway, I think we should go on the the fourth reason is why is why they're called dogs is because a dog, they know their friends and they know their foes, right? Usually, whoever treats them nice, they'll know. Uh, and some people say that apparently dogs know who, who good people are. <laughs> That's a meme now, actually. Because people like to put that around. Oh, people know who good people are. And funny because um, Hitler's do- Hitler had a dog and he loved him. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's not necessarily true in every case. But yeah. Dogs tend to know who is good to them, at least. Who, you know, they feed them, they treat them well. Yeah, they're smart enough to know that. Yes. So they do, they can distinguish their friends and their enemies, right? So the people, and I think that's metaphorically important to the philosophy because, I mean, you should know who is friendly and who sh- you should accept into your philosophy in a way. I mean, you can't really do that with cynicism, really, because it's, it's not like you can, there's no, like, vetting process, I mean, actually, there is. I mean, back then, when they used to go to them and and teach them, they used to see if you were you were up to it, right? They would give you lentil soup and water and see if you could go go in the co- um, survive the cold weather's and the, on the streets and the hard ground. So yeah, I guess that is the vetting process. So you have to know who is up to it, who can actually live to these tenants, right? So what I, if they like died from it. No, well, <laughs> too bad, I guess. <laughs> Could they sue? We're in cynic. Your Honor, 
he was not a cynic. So he had to die. Couldn't survive the life. He couldn't survive the life. He couldn't survive rolling in sand in the summer and then hugging cold statues in the winter. Not cut for it. Not cut for it. You got right. But um Well, I'm glad they own the word because, you know, kinesism, right? The philosophy it's simple. The dog is a simple and a natural animal, right? Right? It's a simple animal. Just like it's a pretty simple philosophy, really. Right? Just live in accordance with nature. Live autonomously. Uh, try to be free from possessions. Think minimally. All that. And it's it's not a, a self-proclaimed, right? It's something that was attributed. Yeah, to it was not by. self-proclaimed, but they owned it later. Eventually, they they hold it. A, they held it as a badge of honor, saying, "Well, dogs are not that bad." You know, they're they're Sh- should have called them like roaches. Ro- roaches. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. If you had talked to, you call them roaches. You. Hey, but hey, but there's a bad hey, but there's actually a badass person who's named Roach. You know, roaches are resilient. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, no. But do you know the um, remember Call uh, COD, Call of Duty, what a what a no, not World of War, uh, Modern Warfare Two. There was a cool guy named Roach. Uh, but he wasn't named Roach because of a cockroach. He was just named Roach because he used to throw like roaches. I didn't play it. So oh, you didn't, know. Okay, never mind. He, he threw, he <laughs> yeah, he, he used to throw roaches, you know. I think that's what they call them, right? When you throw, like, cigarettes around? Oh, no, roaches. Yeah, if it's, like, uh, hand-rolled. Yeah. The roaches, like, that last bit. I don't know. Why do they call them roaches? I guess because they kind of... It's burnt. When you burn it to the tip, it's just all dark. All of the, like, char and stuff gets to the end that you're smoking on just turns black and it kind of looks like a roach. That's <laughs> <laughs> I don't know actually. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to have to ask a stoner now. Why are you guys why do you call them roaches? Oh because dude, when you get high and you see these like the roaches, they like they turn into roaches and they they like I don't think it, they it like com- crawl away, dude. I don't think it like, comes it's crazy. from weed though. It's just it could be tobacco too. It's, it's tobacco too. If you They just they crawl they become roaches and crawl underneath. Now you now you give me hey <laughs> now you that ever, you brung up I know we're going on a tangent by you, the way have you ever rolled your own like have you ever seen like no I've never done that but I know my friend his um he's Salvadorian his grandpa he they used to drink uh smoke the the good stuff the the naturally grown tobacco and mm-hmm. they would roll their own um tobacco or what do they call them you guess would it be a tobacco joint I don't do that stuff they would roll their own cigars I guess what was it cigar Every episode, something happens. My, my um, my, should we just go on with the episode? Yeah, we have to. Okay, we have to now. But we I'll, just I'll help it. you out. All right, help, help me you out. out. You keep going. I'm just gonna turn my mic away. And you. All right. Okay. This is pretty. <laughs> we should have bloopers because yeah, just the mic just fell. Right on, Maybe right need, on my stomach. We need that mic stand you sent me. <laughs> you, we, yeah, I'm thinking we might need it now. Hey, please give us something. Give us some donations so we can buy a better setup. Because this thing fell straight on me. But anyway, um, I'll just pretend nothing happened. Indifference, right? Funny enough. Let's see if we're true cynics. Um. Okay, let's. You know, this part two of it. 
on the last episode, we wanted to talk about um, Alexander the Great, right? But funny enough, we didn't end up doing it. So I think this is the perfect way of, of representing kind of the, the dog-like tenets of the philosophy and kind of epitomizing it because um, that there's a very, very important philosophical... Okay, okay, everything's good. No more technical difficulties. We're good to go. I just had to retighten. Okay, that. yeah, yeah. We're just going to talk about Alexander the Great now. But yeah, because um, last episode, we couldn't really talk about him. Um, the, I mean, there's so much to talk about. There's so many interpretations of this um, exchange between Diogenes and, oh and, and Alexander. It's, it's fine. <laughs> your, your, your laptop died? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we need a new we need we need that subscribe star money. We need to get so we can podcast correctly. We're true cynics now. We're uh, asking for e donations. Um I mean there's a lot of interpretations and in, uh of this philo- of this interaction between um Alexander the Great and Diogenes. And it's pretty important to I mean if you want to learn about cynicism if you want to know the story about it you, i think seeing why this interaction is so important is a vital vital to your understanding of the philosophy so we're, we're going to touch upon the i guess the most widely accepted story uh story of or way what actually happened M- most people agree uh, that he went. Alexander the Great went to go visit Diogenes, and he wanted to fulfill a wish for Diogenes. And he asked him what he desired, according to the version recounted by Diogenes Laertius. Laertius, what we we'll just call him DL, honestly, because they're gonna be like, who? Is, he's not Diogenes. He's not like his brother or anything. That'd be hilarious if it was though. It's like his brother is like a cynic, and he's just like biographer. <laughs> like, dude, how's your brother? But they have the same first name, <laughs> right? No, but apparently Diogenes is very, very. Uh, it's not common, but there's a lot of other Diogenes. There's a Diogenes of Apollonia before Di- the, um, Diogenes of Sinope. There's Diogenes of Apollonia, and then Diogenes of Laertius, and then after all this cynicism, st- all the after um, Diogenes died. Um, there's Diogenes of Byzantium. He was a soldier. So Diogenes just means man of God. From I think I think that's what it means. Diogenes, born from God. I think. Yeah, because Dio is God in Greek. Then Gene is um, birth. Gen- yeah, like Genesis. So makes sense. So Dio, you're a god. I've known that. That's a spirit. <laughs> Not news to me. It's not news to him. <laughs> yeah, he, there's, it's funny enough. There's this um YouTuber. His name is Base Zeus. Have you seen him? I haven't. Is, <laughs> is he a bodybuilder? That's what I imagine. No, he's he's like, he's a cartoon who gives like dating advice for like dudes who don't know how to get girls. I used to watch him when I was like 15, super ah, young. because Zeus was a bit of like a. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, he was around. He was getting chicks. He was around. He was getting chicks of god status oh yeah goddesses and women of the earth he was going for it all 
this thing better not fall on me again. That would suck. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. So Dajin needs to alertius for the most part. They seem to quote him. Um, why do they quote Dajin? Yeah, because I think he's like the best. He's the best person at the time to really quote, honestly. So let's just give a very very. I don't want to go go too deep into it, like whether or not this is the actual thing that happened. I guess we're gonna have to go kind of talk about the caricature in a way, right? But for most people don't seem to deny this, though. I don't know. I haven't read too much about Alexander the Great or if he talked about this in his... I don't know if he had a journal or anything, actually. I don't think he had a journal. Yeah, I would... Right? Have you ever read... <laughs> that'd be crazy if he had an autobiography. Uh, Not that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. What would he name his biography? That'd be that'd be hilarious. He's he would name it um the greatest story. I mean, just his name. I mean, his name is already. You've got the great in your name. The great. Oh my! Is my computer spazzing out now? Maybe just call it the great. Okay. Maybe I should edit this. Honestly. Atg. Atg. What? Oh, ATG, Alexander the Great. That's what he calls it. Mm-hmm. He should just call it the Great, the one and only. Okay, I'm probably gonna edit this out. Honestly, I lost my place after this. This happened. This has been a wild day. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first episode in the new... The new studio, studio right? Studio question mark. <laughs> some, yeah, some things we need to work through with the setup. Yeah, you know what? Let's keep it. Screw it. I don't, give, I don't care. Well, we, at this point, let's just run through it. Let's yeah. just run through it, man. Let's just run through it. This I can I can fix this position later or whatever or the the setup, but um, according to legend, Alexander the Great came to visit the Greek philosopher Diogenes of Sinope. Alexander wanted to fulfill a wish for Diogenes and asked him what he desired. According to the version recounted by Diogenes Laertius, Diogenes replied, "Stand out of my light." Plutarch provides a longer version to the story. There, okay. Quoting Plutarch, by the way. Thereupon, many statesmen and philosophers came to Alexander with their congratulations. And he expected that Diogenes of Sinope also, who was tarrying in Corinth, would do likewise. But since that philosopher took not the slightest notice of Alexander and continued to enjoy his leisure leisure in the suburb Craneon, Alexander went in person to see him, and found and he found him lying in the sun. Diogenes raised himself up a little when he saw so many people coming towards him and fixed his eyes upon Alexander. And when the, this monarch, when that monarch addressed him with greetings and asked if he wanted anything, Yes, said Diogenes, stand, out of my, stand a little out of my son. It is said that Alexander was so struck by this and admired so much of the haughtiness and grandeur of the man who had nothing but scorn for him 
that he said to his followers, who were laughing and gesturing about the philosopher as they were away. But truly, if I were not Alexander, I wish I were Diogenes. Allegedly, Diogenes said something along the lines of, I would want to be Diogenes as well. So I think it's funny because it's like, it's pretty much the, the uh, not magnum opus, but I mean, because magnum opus means like it's your literary work, like the best, like the highest achievement of your life. But it makes sense why this is kind of exaggerated in history, in art, and and all these paint and all these different uh, mediums, right? Because you have paintings of him of this exchange. You have, uh, yeah, ma- paintings from medieval times. You have, I don't think you, I don't think there's any mosaics. Or, or statues. But yeah, definitely a lot of paintings if you look it up online. Paintings, drawings, or interpretations as well, right? Of what happened. But I think it's important because I think he kind of demonstrated the the four tenets of the dog philosophy. That's why it's kind of, in a way, kind of important to bring this up because first of all, right, he's he is independent. He is... Yeah, by the way, yeah, indifferent. In a sense, shameless. I guess shameless as in he's disrespecting his his title, right? And also, he doesn't see Alexander as somebody as... He's distinguishing his friends versus his foes. I think, in a way, he's not necessarily his enemy, but he's not really a a friend to his cause either, right? He's just kind of somebody, right? Like... I don't really, he probably, he doesn't care about him either way. He's not really an enemy or a friend. Actually, let me rephrase that. I think in a sense, he would probably see him as the enemy because he's kind of everything against his philosophy in a sense because he's rich. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's wealthy. He has status and power, right? All the things that people who are cynics, uh, who are, the cynics tend to be against this stuff, all these, all these uh, attributes, so it's kind of like the yin, not really yin yang, kind of like red and blue in a sense, warm and cool. Like this, very opposites. You have the person who who essentially is the, the he is the most powerful person at the time, and one of the like people consider the greatest. Wouldn't say greatest human beings of all time, but definitely somebody who was very accomplished and conquered a lot of lands, and people revere him to this day, including. Napoleon Bonaparte, Julius Caesar. So he's he's a big he's a big deal, obviously. That's why he has the great and he has so much influence on the world and the the way history took form. But um he's on the top, right? And then Diogenes is at the bottom. So in a sense it's kinda like very dualistic in a sense. They're very much the opposites. So I think that's why it's important to to talk in that's my interpretation of the story, by the way. That it's just kinda like the opposite. And he is in a way, he is following his creed, right? Because maybe Diogenes, maybe Alexander wasn't just saying it just to say it, right? He, oh, what can I do for you, right? Maybe he was testing him, right? And then Diogenes passed, and he that's why he saw... Uh, I would say, I wouldn't say pride, but he saw, oh, wow, like he was impressed, Right, because if you have somebody who said it's just kind of like, I guess if I could attribute it to something in the modern world that would make more sense and that would kind of connect to more people, 
um, like say somebody who was, I'm trying to find a good a good scenario, a good hypothetical. But what if if like somebody who stands for something and has a very strong set of principles and morals, right? And then they're tested, right? How would they react? Because at least uh, there's definitely a lot of cases where people they practice something or no they preach something, but are they practicing it? Right? Are you just talking about specifically them practicing it or preaching it and not practicing it? Like preaching it and practicing or preaching it and not practicing it? No, no. What I'm saying is that most people they, I'm giving you like a hyper like a a a scenario where, Pete, there's somebody who is preaching something, but they don't practice it. And I feel a lot of people, <laughs> but something big, like let's say it's like your brand, your philosophy, or like a, a good example would be, oh, oh you know, it's a very good example is that instead of a hyperbolic, I'll give you a real example is that um, that priest, I think it was in in the south, it was in Tennessee or somewhere around there, and and there was some kind of um hurricane, right? And he chose not to let any of those people who lost I- their houses and they were. That was Joel Joel Osteen. I think, I think it was is. him, right? In Houston. Yeah, he's a good example of he practices about Christian, um, oh these Christian values, right? Like help your your fellow Christian, right? In a time of need, Jesus would do that, right? He would sacrifice himself, uh-huh. do something for him out of his way and kindness, right? I mean, that's what they usually preach, at least, right? And he doesn't practice what he preaches. Whereas Diogenes, he practices what he preaches. And I think that's why they put an emphasis on, emphasis on it. He's indifferent. He's sticking, he's, he's staying, he's guarding the tenets of his philosophy where he's not putting an emphasis on wealth and possessions and external goods. He is distinguishing his friends from his foes. Whereas in a sense, he is everything that Diogenes isn't and is against. So yeah, in a way he is kind of the the devil to his angel in a sense, right? And then the last thing would be is um yeah, and and he's also shameless too. He didn't he didn't want to practice these norms, right? The norms that oh you have to greet this monarch in a certain way, right? He's rude to him, right? So that's the shameless part. Where I don't really agree with the shamelessness because I think you should respect people in general. If you're gonna criticize somebody, maybe criticize their ideas rather than them themselves. It's hard to, it's hard to do, right? But I think he was being rude and shameless because, yeah, it's Alexander the Great, and he's like, hmm, you're really the op. You're everything I, I am preaching against. That you're this person who is, who in a sense, not free. I, I'm assume I'm trying to put myself into into Diogenes's um mind. And what I'm thinking he would, he, what he would believe when he talked to him is he's not free, Alexander the Great. He's, he is the most powerful person, but he's a slave to his own ambitions. I mean, so much so that he went, he goes into India and dies for his ambition, for his empire, and he gets sick, right? That's how most people, most, most historians would say that's how um, Alexander the Great died. Is that he went to and he went too far to India, or he was poisoned. Either way, his ambitions led to his death. In a way, he over he extended his empire. He went far, 
and it cost him his life. So in a sense, he's sort of kind of enslaved to his own amb- ideas and ambitions and, and delusions of grandeur and trying to prove he is God, right? But um, that's why I think that's that's personally my interpretation. But there are other people who interpret it di- differently too, by the way. Now, if we look at... I'll get, I guess I'll give four and just kind of summarize it, but Dio Chrysostom in his fourth oration... And by the way, you can look this up. In his fourth oration on kingship, ascribes a simple moral to the anecdote. People who are naturally outspoken and forthright respect others like themselves, whereas cowards regard such people as enemies. A good king will respect and tolerate the candor of morally sincere critique. And Diogenes' remark to Alexander is a test of Diogenes. His bravery in risking offending Alexander without knowing whether he would be tolerant of such behavior beforehand marks him as honest. So I think he's he's kind of interpreting it also from like a philosophical standpoint. This this um, meeting between Alexander and Diogenes where he's saying that, and by the way, they have there's an official term for it. The cynics have an official term for this. It's called freedom of speech. Not, I'm not even joking, by the way. It's called parisia. I think that's how you pronounce it. My Greek's not so good. But yeah, paris, parisia. So parisia means frankness of speech or freedom of speech. I think it's either either or. or. But it just shows that he's going to be honest. He's not going to be unfiltered. And he's going to say what he wants to say. That's the freedom, right? And I don't think he cares if he gets killed either honestly because he was pretty old by the, by the time he did this and that's I think that interpretation makes makes sense there's also a modern interpretation too by um, let's go let's do another one um, you know Samuel Johnson no just he sounds Jackson like, yeah Samuel Johnson Samuel Jackson Samuel Johnson apparently was uh, no not apparently I don't I, I don't know why I say apparently so much but he he was um one of the best or most influential um, English literary, uh, I guess he he's kind of a pioneer. I don't know. We, we learned about him in, in high school, so it's been a while, but he was definitely important in English literature and, and a pivotal moment in, in English literature. But it's funny because... He's no Shakespeare, though, right? No, he's not... Not as yeah, he's more seventeenth century, eighteenth century. He's yeah, he's not as good as Shakespeare in my opinion. He's not that, um, I think influential in my opinion. But he's definitely, I guess, modern English literature. I guess that would be considered modern. But anyway, Samuel Johnson wrote about this this exchange, and rather than relating it to Diogenes' cynicism, Johnson relates the story to time, relating that taking away of the sunlight by Alexander to the wasting of people's time by other people. But if the, and he said this, but, but if the opportunities of benefits by be denied by fortune, wrote Johnson, innocence should be, should at least be vigilantly preserved time ought above other kinds of property to be free from invasion. And yet there is no man who does not claim the power of wasting that time, which is the right of others. I, I this interpretation I think I don't think it's that interesting. I don't I don't see anything so nuanced about it. 
I didn't even quite. This is an, his interpretation of the exchange. Yeah. I didn't even get that. Maybe you have to <laughs> read it one more time. No. <laughs> I didn't get you, it. You I didn't make the connection. You lost your chance. Well, I no, would normally but I'd I be think able to read it in front of me, but my laptop's dead. But I mean, what, from what my opinion is, is that I think he's saying that you should, you, you should, you pretty much shouldn't waste anybody's time, essentially, because wasting somebody's time is precious and innocent and shouldn't be infringed upon. Right? That's what. That's my imper- interpretation of it. This exchange that Alexander, in a sense, is kind of stealing his time. Yeah, but you could say the same for Diogenes. Yeah, in a lot yeah, of yeah. cases. That's why <laughs> hey, you could say he wasted a ton of people's time. His whole life was wasting people's time. Well, not really, because most of the people who wanted to light down, well, he, from what I heard at least, people went were interested in his lectures, uh, even if not. Yeah, but he, they would but go to him to get. But he went to a lot of other people. Oh yeah, but that. Remember, we talked about that. We don't know that for sure. He might have been done it once or twice. To if anything, he probably did it a few times. But he probably yeah, wasted. He wasted a bit of some people's times. I mean yeah, they say that he went to Plato and he, you know, <laughs> caused a fiasco with the chicken and pooped in his thing. But like we said in the last episode, we don't know that for sure because the uh, Plato does, Plato barely talks about him really. So I don't know if he t- really took up that much time from him. But I get what you mean. But it seemed that people were interested in Diogenes lectures. He has a lot of pupils. And that's in the next episode we're going to talk about his pupils. He had a bunch of pupils. So c- people definitely were interested about his ideas if they went to it. Kind of like how um, we talked about Antisthenes. When he was young, he went to Socrates. Um, he used to travel. He used to walk an hour just to go see um, Socrates' lectures. But um, I don't I, I don't know. Samuel Johnson is an interesting. Uh, he was poor too, by the way. Samuel Johnson, from what I heard, when he was young, he used to be him. He was, yeah. I think maybe he he was a Diogenes fan, because I think people who tend to be from a more um, proletarian background. I don't even want to use that term. More like, I guess, more modest background. It interests people more because. He, despite him being poor and not having that much money, he did do, I mean, whether you like it or not, he affected the the course of the philosophical movement of cynicism and then that affected stoicism and then cynicism affected satire and parodies and other literary genres. And some also argue that the skeptic schools and also Friedrich Nietzsche. So... Any modern interpretations? Um, there's some, there's another guy, a German um, philosopher. His name is Peter Sloterdijk. I don't even know how to pronounce. That doesn't even look German to me. And I can speak. I can manage my way around German. Sloterdijk. Yeah, I know that's. It sounds more like Norwegian or something. But whatever. We'll just call him Peter. Peter, and he has a very. Um, influential book in, in German philosophy. It's called The Critique of Cynical Reason. This is perhaps the most well-known anecdote from Greek, and I'm paraphrasing him. This is the most well-known anecdote from Greek antiquity, and it not without justice. He states that it demonstrates in one stroke what 
what antiquity understands by philosophical wisdom. Not so much a theoretical knowledge, but rather an unerring sovereign spirit, the wise man, turns his back on the subjective principle of power, ambition, and the urge to be recognized. He is the first one to first one who is uninhibited enough to say the truth to the prince. Diogenes' answers, ne, answer negates not only the desire for power, but the power of desire as such. I thought that was a better interpretation, to be honest. That yeah, there. It, I, I like his his interpretation because it's more like hmm. He sees Diogenes more as yeah practicing what he preaches. Because you know there is probably a because I've I've heard of stories of cynics right or so called cynics that they use cynicism to make money. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, personally, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, in a modern sense, but if we're if we're talking about the past, where the, your whole philosophy is kind of based on the well, if you're you proclaim yourself as a legitimate follower, right? As in you are an actual follower of cynicism, right? And you kind of are profiting off cynicism because I heard of that happening in the Roman era. And that's why they call, they call them, that's why there's a negative connotation, right? Because of them doing this and profiting off of cynicism, that's the reason why. They're not practicing what they preach. They're hypocrites. They're shameless. They're... Yeah, pretty uh, everything under the sun, honestly, that's negative. I think no one really likes a hypocrite, right? So I think that's why it's important. I think that's why uh, Peter sees it that way. He's saying that he's not doing that. He's not giving in because a lot of people would, right? Like these cynics in the Roman times, right? Or these individuals that say they're cynics, right? Funny enough, um, I don't... Th- it's kind of like kind of like some Christians that that uh, pastor did that, right? He is not practicing what he preaches. I mean, if, if Diogenes had, but uh, okay, the the whole interpretation there is like, but what was he supposed to just beg? I, I think it's a norm. It, he took the approach of just kind of being insulting and rude. But I think your average person, <laughs> even if he walked up, he'd be like, oh no, nothing, but. Nice to meet you. Just be polite. Well, I think this is the no, this is a big deal because back then, um, the cultural norms in Greece were centered ar- around. Oh, but by the way, I don't know too much about the scenario whether or not Dodge, yeah, he Alexander had. I think he had conquered a, lot, a, a ton of cities actually by this time. I think he had conquered Thebes, so he is a big deal. And then, yeah, he, he is being consistent and staying true to himself and not giving in right so i think that's why they kind of see it as a big deal yeah, giving into what exactly giving into his wishes because alexander asked him what can i do for you now most people would have said probably would have bowed down greeted by his title and i think that's even alexander himself was impressed which was interesting because it means that he probably was bored of seeing everybody treat him that i mean probably not bored but at least you know, it's something interesting. It's like, hmm, someone finally is treating me differently, right? It's kind of like when you imagine being a celebrity, right? And everyone's kind of kissing your feet 
and begging you and freaking out when you see them and then someone treats you differently right it is a different kind of yeah but uh, maybe because okay if i am always maybe thinking too much in the modern perspective yeah there's yeah definitely now that would not be anything new there's nothing it's just normal oh yeah yeah definitely now but we're talking about 2000 years ago which is a very different time very different political situation and and freedom of speech was different back then so it's a big deal back then but yeah definitely now if it i mean that's kind of if you you're i guess you could talk about donald trump he is the most powerful man on the planet and people always like to make fun of him right they call him more orange man or an idiot or racist and uh, i guess they technically disrespect him right so it's not anything new i mean for us it's like normal right that's what you do that's why it's such a big deal in the past right but uh there's another there's one more interpretation i think there is somebody yeah and someone from 2005 also did an interpretation on this exchange ineke sluider and he said he observed that a common feature of the anecdotes was that Alexander approached Diogenes, reversing the usual stances of royalty and a commoner in which the latter would be physically submissive. By such means, Diogenes communicated his cynical indifference to convention and status in a non-verbal way. But that's interesting because, yeah, it seems like Alexander searched for him. That's another reason why it's a big deal. Rather than Diogenes going after him. The roles are reversed, right? If the king is coming into town, right? The subject is the one that goes and searches for the king, right? So he can go and pay his respects and bow to him, and, and right? Or I would, I would have assumed he would have just like summoned him. No, he didn't summon summon him. No, he, I'm just saying that, that I would assume that would have been the normal practice to summon him. That's why it's interesting because I, it, it looks like he went out of his way to go find him. I don't think he. But there's different, I mean, some people also say that maybe he did summon him. Maybe he was in the area. Yeah, there's there's that context we're missing that I haven't looked into too much. I, I'm looking at it more from the philo- philosophical standpoint, right? Remember, there's a lot of secondary information, but that's an interesting interpretation, too, that it seems like the corner of the roles are reversed. And yeah, if he did say that, I mean, it's a very weird thing for a king to say that. Regardless of w- whether that's modern or, or 2,000 years ago, for a king to go and, and want to fulfill a wish for somebody specifically. Usually, usually it's the other way around. It's like, what can you do for me as some, one of my subjects? Because he is a prince. He's a ma- the Macedonian prince. So it's really the other way around. That's why it's a huge deal, actually, if you think about it from that context and even now. Like, imagine if the king, the queen of Spain came to you and she's a huge fan. She's like, Dio, what can I do for, what can I do for you? And you're like, get out of here. <laughs> right? I mean, it's a huge deal, get right? It just, me, it just means you're a gangster. It's pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty G. But, um, um, yep, yeah, that's, that's it. I think we can, we can finish, wrap up this episode. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, YouTube, all, uh, all these other platforms. And, yep, and next episode's going to be on the followers of Diogenes. All right, let's let's tune this out.
receive this packet. Parabellum. <laughs>